All right, good morning. How's everybody? Good? What a great set of music. We thought uh, we'd bring the uh, Friday night film and album release to Sunday morning and give you a little taste, huh, in case you didn't make it. And so uh, great stuff. We're going to show a little clip of the film in my message, and it'll give you a taste of that as well. You know, uh, everything that exists exists for a purpose. Now, that may not sound profound unless you realize that in your life, you, you question or wonder, what is my purpose? But God never made anything accidental. You know, you notice that uh, the projector's out on the, the right, my right side up here, and it's a fun, kind of a fun story because when we started the church, we, one of our stops along the way was in a movie theater, and I was up rummaging around upstairs one day when we were trying to get all the projectors set and everything, and I found all these old projectors. And so I went to the manager. I said, hey, are you, can you sell those? And he said, yeah, they're pretty old, though. They're about 20 years old, and, uh, but I'll be glad to sell them to you. And I said, okay, well, how many do you have? And he says, oh, I have eight. And I said, okay, I'll take them all. And, he said, and then I said, how much are they? And he goes, $100 a piece. Well, you know, what can you get for $100, right? And so... I bought eight of them, and then Sean Bowles over Expression 58, they needed a couple of projectors, so we gave them two. So there's two of those over there, and then we've cannibalized the rest of them to try to make two good ones. And uh, clearly, um, you know, the life expectancy is, is kind of gone. But they were, they were designed to project. That was why they were made. They were projecting something. And it's not fulfilling its purpose. Would, would, can we agree with that? And the timing was so perfect, it, right before we showed the film, it went out. And so, you know, sometimes your purpose and your existence don't really line up, and we're going to talk about that today. But at the same time, uh, we had, I'm going to take you back a little bit in history, we had uh, a roof problem, and we replaced the roof up uh, above this area here, but we had all this problem with rain and, and everything else, and it shorted out all kinds of stuff. Uh, and that morning, if you were here, you remember we had construction lights on those yellow stands shining up here. We had no screens. We had sound, but barely. And we lost our light board. And when, when the light board went out, I just said, hey, the light board's out. It literally shorted it out. It's gone. And I made that comment in a service, and somebody walked up to me and said, how much is a new light board? And I said, I don't know, and went back and checked and found out. And I told him, and he said, okay, I'll just bring you a check this week. And the reason I, I bring that up is because even in our giving, it is with purpose. Are you with me on this? Because nothing there in my mind was coincidental. Uh, losing a projector, this one's probably going next. Um, but I just want to just put this out there. Um, we actually have been buying LED screens. You notice right behind us, we've got them for the students, got them for children, and we've got them partially paid for for the side over here. And we just kind of chisel away at a little at a time. So I just want to put it out there for you. Um, if God puts it on your heart to buy these LED screens or finish paying for it or part of it, uh, if you just shoot me a text or see me afterwards or something, shoot me an email. And uh, I just believe there's a purpose in all of that. And the change will be so radical in terms of what you see up there uh, from what we have now because they're analog. That means they're old. So yeah, if you're, over, if, you're, if you're over 20, you're analog. Okay, how's that? Does that make sense? All right, amen? Um, and if you're younger than 20, you're digital. All right, that's a good way to remember it. 
But um, we're starting this series on kingdom discipleship. It's based on a new book that we have out here that I've written, and they're available in the, in the front foyer there if you want to get a copy. But it also will serve as the outline for this series. So, for example, lesson one is going to be today. And then about halfway into this series, uh, we're going to go ahead and start offering some opportunities for you to be trained to be a discipler so that you can literally take someone through, help them to grow in their faith in Christ, and, uh, and walk in, in the kingdom. Um, but let's talk about purpose a little bit. Last week we talked about potential. Today we're going to talk about purpose. Why did God create mankind? It's just a great question. And there, it, it follows with another question and, and maybe a statement. Until purpose is discovered, existence really doesn't have meaning. Because if I don't know why God created me, how do I take and put into an understanding of my purpose on life? And, and, and when we start to put these pieces together, we start asking questions like, what is the reason for existence? Because someday you want to look back on your life and go, I know why God created me. I know my purpose. I can look back. I can see things that are better because of me. You don't want to look back on life and say, you know, I had a pretty good life and had pretty good health and had pretty good friends, and those are all really good qualities, but you don't want to leave out, but why was I here? What was the cause? What was the cause behind me? You know, if you're living today, there is a reason that God has something for you today and probably tomorrow. And what is that? What is that cause? And what's the desired result? If God looks into our life and says, this is the end result, this is why I want you to, to, to understand your purpose and your meaning. What is the destination? How will I know when I arrive at that destination in my life? Because I'll say, I'll wake up one day and I'll go, this is it. This is what it was all about. Now I get it. And then what's the expectation on God's part? What is God expecting from me? Because I want to fulfill that the best I possibly can. God always understands my frailty, my weakness, my humanness, so he never expects perfection out of me because I can't give him that, but I can give him all my heart and as much as I've got in me, and if I fall down and if I make a mistake, then I can ask forgiveness and I can keep moving in the right direction. And that's the heart of the Father. So we think about what are the objectives in life. Well, I want you to, uh, uh, I want to take you back to where we started last week, and that is what's God's goal? God's goal is the establishment of his kingdom in the universe. So if you think about God is a self-existent one. He came from no place because there was no place before he created place. Hurts your head a little bit, right? But God is, is almighty, all-powerful, and God wants his kingdom established. So when you think about a kingdom, you've got to have a few things. You have to have a king. You have to have a territory, right? You have to have laws that govern that kingdom, but you also have enemies of the kingdom, don't you? And so we, we find ourselves living in this kingdom that God created, and some are loyal subjects, and some don't know about the kingdom, and some are actually in rebellion against the kingdom. So what we want to do is say, God, I want to line up my life so that I am cooperating with the kingdom, and then when I pray prayers like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it starts to make sense. Because praying that prayer without understanding the kingdom doesn't fully make sense. 
because we don't know where that's going. And what is heaven like that I would want it down here? And how do I transfer what's going on there down here in my life in such a way that people can see it, understand it, and walk in it? So as we kind of walk through this, I want to take you on this diagram, and this is one that we, we've introduced to you, or we'll introduce it probably as much as we need to, but it goes back to this idea of God's supreme goal, and God carries that out in three phases. So let's go back to phase one. Phase one is the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, God spoke through types and pictures. Let me illustrate. For example, the Lamb of God was introduced by Abel in the book of Genesis. And that, that Lamb would be sacrificed for sin. It was a picture of the coming Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would be sacrificed for sin. It's the same picture we see in Revelation when it talks about the Lamb of God standing as though it had been slain before the foundation of the world. So God always had a plan for that. So that's one of the types or pictures we see. We go to the second phase, and that's the New Testament and the era we're living in right now. And that's where Christ equipped disciples called apostles who would carry out the message, who would repeat that message, and would create followers called disciplers and disciples. And those people would then reproduce after their own kind. And you'll notice that in that great commission there is threefold. It's to be fruitful. It's to multiply and fill the earth. And those are really pictures of three things. Number one is when, I, when I'm in this process of fruitful, that's called evangelism. That's bringing people to faith in Christ. And then when we go to multiplying, that's discipleship. So God wants to take my life, multiply it in someone else's, and that person multiply it in someone else's so that we're equipping future generations and people around us for the kingdom of God. And then the final is fill the earth, and that's missions. And this pattern is, is consistent all the way through the Word of God. I can show you that pattern probably 60 times in the Old Testament alone. And, and it's a pattern that God has. And then you notice the third phase is the fulfillment of the kingdom. That is, this is all going somewhere. This is not just a, a, a planet that, that spins indiscriminately in space without purpose and without reason. There is a destination and a goal, and it's an eternal kingdom. We'll see it, first of all, in what's called a millennial reign of Christ on planet Earth, but then there will be a merging of heaven and earth to bring about God's eternal kingdom, and that's the plan that God has. Now, let's just keep moving, show you one more diagram, then we're going to jump into this message. So there's five principal objectives that we have in this phase. This is phase two that we live in. You'll notice evangelism. We already said that's telling people about Christ, and they're coming to faith in Christ. And then the next one there is church planting. That's what we did seven years ago. We planted a church. We said we need a place for these people who are getting saved to, to plug, to grow, to move, and all those kind of things. And the truth is, do we have enough churches? Absolutely not. We always need more churches because every church is an expression of its own, own people. And there's, there are things that attract you here that don't attract you somewhere else, and there are people that are attracted to other churches uh, and not attracted to here. And that's okay, because we're all in this together. This is not competition, right? We're, in the, we're part of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is about the establishment of his kingdom in the universe. So we take out our field, and we spread it out here, and we say, this is going to be our field, and this is going to be what we do, and this is kind of how we're going to express it, and it's going to work for some people, and it's not going to work for other people, but we're going to keep moving ahead. And that's what the kingdom's all about. Then you go to the next one, discipleship, 
And, of course, that's training people. That's mentoring people in the Word of God. And then you'll notice there's Christ-likeness and then glorifying God. Now, right below that, you'll notice that we have quantitative goals. It's easy to measure how many people come to faith in Christ. It's easy to count the number of churches. But how do we get them to Christ-likeness and glorifying God? I can't get up uh, on Sunday morning and go, hey, I've got good news. We had 20 people that were Christ-like today and 40 people who glorified God. I don't know how to measure that one. I can't measure that, but I do know the process to get you there. The process is you have to come to faith in Christ. You have to be a part of a vital community, of a local community of faith. You have to somehow be equipped and trained in the basics of the Christian faith. But if you don't do that, you can't come to the place of Christ-likeness. You can't glorify God because you're missing some components in your life. And so we want to talk about God's purpose. I want to give you three purposes for God here and uh, that he has for us. And number one is to restore you to his family. Now, we're going to talk about the Adams family. This is not the one that used to be on TV of all the creepy people that drove around in weird cars. This is not that one. If you don't know what that is, you are blessed, really blessed, all right? But this is the Adams family. You see, when God first created, he created a man named Adam, and his wife's name was Eve. Adam was put in a perfect environment, and he was created innocent. He wasn't a sinner and he wasn't a saint. He was innocent. He had not sinned against God, nor had he chosen to follow after God. And he had a, he had a pretty clear directive. You can do, basically have anything you want in this, in this garden except for one thing. You see, following after God and loving God is not real unless there's a temptation to do so, the opposite. In your own life, you prove the love of God when you turn away from sin and choose God. That's part of how we prove we love God in our own heart. Amen? Okay, so Adam, what does Adam do? He chooses evil. He chooses to rebel against God, and that had an effect on everybody. It had an effect on everybody from any, every generation. Have you ever noticed babies never need to be taught how to be stubborn, little kids? I mean, they just, how did you learn to be stubborn? How did you learn to be selfish? I don't remember teaching you that. You came out of that by your own. It is because we are sinners by our nature, and by our choice. So there's something that's happened to us because of Adam's sin. Let me take you to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. So my children are affected, and, and once they, once they kind of get a, a grasp on what it means to be rebellion, and uh, uh, to rebellion, then they perfect it their whole life. They just kind of grow up, go, yeah, this is how it works. Once they get a little lie, they can tell too, this is good. This is how humans work, right? This is the problem that we have. So it says that, that uh, sin entered into the human experience and death was the result. Now, don't think about physical death. Think about separation. That's what death is. When someone dies, you're separated from them. When you die spiritually, you're separated from God. So here's the challenge we have. If, if we could just draw this like with a, uh, a big chasm here, and, we're, and here's mankind over here. And here's God over here. And man is trying to get to God. Uh, man wants to get to God, and so he says, you know, I believe there's a God. I was created with this, this dimension of me that longs for, for the eternal. But I want to get to God. How do I get to God? So we come up with all kinds of things like the really good people get to go to God. Right? And that's part of just being justified by being better than you. 
Other people come up with religion. So they come up with all kinds of rituals, all kinds of rites, all kinds of different things. You go, I don't even know what that means. Why do they do that? Nobody knows why they do it. They just do it. That's why I like to say I hate religion, but I love Jesus. Because religion confuses me. You know, and it's all, everybody's trying to come at a different angle on this thing. And I go, no, I just want to go back to the basics. Jesus made it pretty simple. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So we try to get to God, but everything falls short. And over here, man's problem is, and this is what caused it, it caused this chasm between God and man. It was sin. So I want to get to God. What I need is a bridge. I need to be able to go from here to here and know God. And the answer to that is really the cross. The cross provides the bridge. What Jesus did at Calvary, he died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, according to the Scriptures, and he rose from the dead to give us eternal life. So what does God do? God restores in Christ what was forfeited by sin. You see, we're created in the image of God, but part of the problem with the image is it's marred. It's not perfect. And so in Christ, what happens is there's a restoration where I start thinking like an image bearer, I start acting like an image bearer, and I go through this process of a lifetime of trying to pursue God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. In the film that we produced called Rebels, there's a, a main character in the story named Bella. And Bella is a prostitute and really is separated from God. And in the story, the reason, part of the reason it's called Rebels is because uh, the setting is a post-apocalyptic America in which Christianity is illegal. And the only people that are on planet Earth that are Christians are children. And these children go around and they bring people into the kingdom. And when they bring them into the kingdom, uh, their, their faith is exercised in such a way they morph back into a child. And it's fulfilling a a principle in Scripture where it says that if, if you're going to enter the kingdom of God, you, you must come like a little child. So I want to show you a clip uh, from the movie and just kind of sit back and enjoy it. And this is a scene with Bella being redeemed, and the song Rebels is uh, underlay on this. So take a watch. Where the light has ceased With the life let go 
So you move from Adam's family, separated from God, into God's family. 
Look at what it says in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, but as many as received him. You see, you have to receive Christ. You're not born a Christian. You're not, because you grew up in a Christian family or, or a nation, doesn't make you a Christian. There has to be a moment of decision, and it says that to as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they're born of God. So just like you had a physical birth and you came into the physical world, you have to have a spiritual birth whereby you enter into the spiritual world, and then that separation is taken away because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's transformational. That's redemptive. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus said, unless you are born again, so unless you have this experience, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Not only will you not be a resident of the kingdom, but you can't even see it or understand the kingdom. So when, when you see kingdom things happen, like you read the Bible and go, I don't get anything out of that, well, it takes kingdom eyes to see that. You cannot understand the Bible because you're smart. You cannot understand the Bible because you read it. You understand it because the Holy Spirit is the interpreter in you explaining to you what's going on in that process. And it, it's all about the spiritual things of God. And so when we begin to understand it, our purpose really cannot be understood or fulfilled in isolation. You see, you can be a Christian and live in isolation, but you can't thrive in isolation. It takes the body of Christ. It is critically important for you to be in fellowship with one another. You say, well, I don't need that. Yes, you do, and we need you, and by the way, it's a command of God. So, there's three reasons right there. People say, well, I, I just, I like to worship God my own way. Well, then you have your own God, but it isn't the God of the Bible. Well, I like to go out in the woods and just talk to God. Do that, and then go to church on Sunday. Amen? You see, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of, of some, but all the more. As you see the day drawing near, that's the day of the return of Christ. That means every year this, this planet gets a little older. We are close to the return of Christ. That means we have even more reason to be in fellowship and not find an excuse for not being in fellowship with one another. That's a kingdom mandate, and we need to understand that. The other thing that God does in this whole process is he helps us to understand our identity through redemption. You see, you can go through life, you can have a good life, a healthy life, you can have a productive life, have a great family, have great friends, but if you've not been redeemed, your identity is not fully revealed. Because why am I here? We, we already said a projector exists to project stuff. Well, you exist too for a reason, and your identity is found when you understand it in Jesus Christ. Second big thing that God does in this whole process of purpose is he provides everlasting life. John chapter 3 and verse 36, listen to this, so good. He said, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Did you notice? It does, it's not a future tense, it's present tense. When I believe, I have, I experience eternal life in that moment. I don't die and experience eternal life then. I experience eternal life, everlasting life, the moment I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that people get confused and the reason that all those jokes about Peter at the pearly gates work is because people don't have any confidence that they really know God. 
and they think it's all going to be negotiable with Peter at the pearly gate. And I love those Peter uh, at the pearly gate jokes. I like them all. I wish I could remember one right now. But anyway, but, but you see, why are we telling those jokes? Because we don't have confidence that we know him that we know salvation. We have a hope-so kind of salvation that says, gee, I hope it all works out, or I'm better than my neighbor, so if he's getting in, I'm sure I'm getting in. But those were never the criteria given in the Word of God. So it says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe, the Son shall not see life. So apart from the Son of God, I don't have life. In other words, I can't get saved by believing in God. I get saved by believing in God's revelation, God the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sins and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father by me. Now think about that. He was pretty convinced about how this process worked. And it's interesting that modern man wants to look at it and go, I think I've got it figured out. No, you don't. You just think you got it figured out. God already established it. Let me take you to another scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Where's life? In the Son. He who has the Son has what? Has life. So I don't have life if I don't have the Son of God living his life in me. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. People say to me, well, you can't really know you're going to heaven. Well, I know. Well, how can you know? I just know. I know in my knower because the Spirit of God is resident in me and he is bearing witness with my spirit telling me that I am a son of the living God. So I don't have a hope-so kind of religion. If you have a hope-so kind of entrance into, into heaven, that very well may indicate you don't know God, but you know about him. You see, you can know all about God. You can even know the Bible, but not know God. You can read somebody's uh, resume and go, wow, look, I, I think I know this person. No, you don't know them. You know about them. You have to enter into a relationship where you know him. And it says that, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So what happens? Once I enter into this family, his faith in me, his spirit in me, is keeping me moving in the right direction for my eternal faith. Amen? See, the purpose, the purpose is designed to affect your generation. Why do you think God saved you? I can tell you in one part, it is because you're supposed to make a difference in the people around you. You're supposed to talk to them about God. You're supposed to help them understand God. You're supposed to glorify God and be Christ-like. That's part of what this is all about. Third big purpose is you, God gives you peace of mind. What is better than peace of mind? Right? I mean, just being able to know, I know God. And if my life ended today, I have peace of mind that I know God. I have peace of mind that my, my family, my friends, my relatives, that they, those who know God, they're going to be with God. I mean, that is peace of mind. Let me take you to Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39. This is from the, the Passion Version. I, I, I like it because it's a bit refreshing um, and, uh, and just kind of a new way of looking at it. He said, so now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. Now think about that. There's nothing in the universe that's going to separate you from God's love. Well, what if I really mess up big time? Nothing in the Greek means 
Nothing. In the Hebrew, it means nothing. The idea is nothing. Nothing is nothing. Yeah, but you know, gosh, you don't know what I've done. You know, it's funny how, and guys are, always, are better at this than women. They always come up and go, man, you cannot believe what I did. And I know it, it's like the biggest, I had the biggest temptation. I made the biggest mistake of my life. And I just kind of laugh. And they'll tell me what it is, and I'll just say, you know, you're an amateur. I, I got a line of guys I could say, you, 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 you look like you just got started in this process. You see, there's no end to the mistakes we can make, but there's no end to the grace of God in bringing us out of that. Amen? So don't, don't beat your chest and think I'm the, the chief of all sinners. No, he's probably sitting next to you, probably somebody else. But let me read a little bit more in the Scripture. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. In other words, once you come into faith with Christ, you ain't getting out. You can say, I don't love him anymore. He's going to keep loving you. The most miserable person on planet Earth is not a person separated from God. It's a person who's a Christian who's trying to run from him. Because you're never, you know, you're never, you're, you're, you're created for this eternal world, and you're trying to live over here in this other world as if there was not an eternal world. You're trying to live like you used to live, and you're like a fish out of water going, I don't even, I don't even like this life. What's going on? And then the worst thing that happens is when you're walking away from God, have you ever noticed how you always run into the Christians? Oh, no, here they come again. Oh, no, no, no. And then you know what they're going to say. First thing, hey, I missed you in church. You know, it, it's, there's nothing worse when you're out of church from somebody go, I missed you in church. Right? You don't even have to say anything. I can be sitting in a restaurant, I look over, see somebody hadn't been in church in a while, and, and they're, they're trying to dodge me. We just walk over there, hey, how you doing? I don't even have to say missed you in church. They know they're not in church. Why is it we feel guilty in that moment? Because we were designed to be in fellowship with other believers. That's what it's all about. And what you're doing is you're going, no, I'm trying to play the fish out of the aquarium, and all of a sudden the guy who runs the aquarium shows up. You see, your confidence is based on God's promises. The confidence you have in your relationship with God is based on his promises, not your feeling. Well, I don't feel like a Christian today, so... What's your point? You didn't get saved by feelings. Amen? Well, you know, I, I just, I've really messed up today. Well, you didn't get saved because you were perfect. You got saved because you weren't and you believed on Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to get this stuff right. Other words, we fall into religion and it's always guilt. Have you ever noticed how religion's always guilty? I'm just guilty of everything. Guilt, 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 guilt. All right? And guilt, and guilt is the gift, the gift that keeps on giving. So if I feel guilty, you're going, to get, you're going down with me. Well, you weren't in church either. I saw you sleeping and passing notes. I know you don't really know Jesus like I know him. Amen? You see, God's, when you think about it, God's purpose is not hindered by your past. I don't know how God could ever use me. Well, because he's God. 
God likes to work new things in us. There's a tree called a pin oak tree, and it's a kind of an unusual tree. The leaves don't fall off typically like they do in the fall on most trees. They don't, it's actually the new life that comes and it pushes the old leaves off. So new life pushes old stuff out. And I think that's a great picture of a Christian. You got the new life of God in you and you got old stuff hanging on you, you know, and you get frustrated by it, but guess what? You cultivate the new life and Holy Spirit sap starts running, starts pushing. And every once in a while you look, you go, hey, I felt a couple of leaves fall. I'm feeling better. Then you kind of get settled into that a little bit, and you go, man, I just got so much stuff. And all of a sudden, you feel a little move of the Spirit. and go, a couple more leaves fall off. One day somebody comes up and goes, man, you're so different. You used to be what happened. Just cultivated the inner life in me. And the kingdom of God is so powerful, it just keeps pushing, pushing. Pushing. Can you feel him pushing right now? Holy Spirit pushing? He's pushing in your life. There's some stuff in your life you go, I want that on my life. Just turn it over to him. Quit holding on to it. I'm just holding on to that old leaf. I hate my old leaf. Get rid of the leaf. Amen? Let's stand together. I want to, uh, uh, I, I'm pretty convinced that there are some people here today that don't truly know Christ, that you need to come into the kingdom today. And what I want to do is I want to give you that opportunity to pray and receive Christ this morning, to actually move from death into life, separation into unity with God. It's the greatest miracle on planet Earth. Did you know that? The greatest miracle is not somebody who's blind and can see, who's lame and can walk. The greatest miracle is when you go from death into life, when you're transformed into a child of the living God. Amen? So I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm just going to invite you to uh, bow your heads and pray this prayer out loud with me, even if you say, I know I'm a Christian, because there's someone around you who may not have that confidence and may not have that knowledge, but you're praying it with them absolutely helps. Amen? So let's just bow our heads, and I'm going to pray a prayer. You can repeat it out loud with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to take away my sins. I believe you were buried in a tomb, and you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. Save me, Lord Jesus. Your word promises that if I call on your name, I will be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Now let me ask you, just keep your heads bowed for a moment. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, you prayed that prayer in faith. Maybe you had prayed something before, but you said, you know, I don't. I think I just said words, but today I, I really believe I prayed that prayer. Would you just lift your hand up right now? Just lift your hand up all over this room. Amen, God bless you. Anybody else? Amen, God bless you guys, God bless you. Just keep them up for a second. Just raise your hand up. Amen. I want you to know now your next step is to follow passionately after the Lord Jesus Christ, to be in his church, to minister, be ministered to, and then learn how to minister to others. Amen? So we're going to close with this song. I'm going to ask you to, to lift your voices up, and as a declaration, just give him praise and give him glory. How could I contain myself? 
to Link Central. You can get signed up for a Link class. Find out about a Link group if you want to do that. And then also, all this great Influence Music merchandise is out there. Pick you up a shirt, CD, fanny pack. I'm not going to get a fanny pack, I'm telling you right now. But anyway, already got the fanny, don't need the pack. But anyway, um, and then also, if you want the discipleship book, grab a copy of that. It'll give you an outline for the messages for the next nine weeks. Come back next week. Bring a friend with you. God bless you guys. Have a great day in the Lord.